To the aficionados of the odd and offbeat, the late Stephen Vincent Strange, M.D., is one of the outstanding enigmas of the late 20th century. The unique life of this notorious expert in the occult, who achieved a posthumous notoriety after his death under mysterious circumstances several months ago, is clearly documented, at least up to a certain point. My name is Conrad, along with my co-host Drew, and welcome to the 42nd episode of Stranger by the Dozen, the weekly podcast where we recap the adventures of Dr. Stephen Strange, Master of the Mystic Arts, six issues at a time. How's it going this week, Drew? Uh, yeah, 42 episodes. Hey, it's the uh, ultimate answer um, issue or something like that. Something it's... like that, but all I, all I know is that we're ten episodes away from being... Uh, one episode per week. That's true. Yeah, that's true. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> um, you can find the show on iTunes, the Google Play Store, Stitcher, and any fine podcast app. Feel free to contact the podcast at strangerbythedozen at gmail.com, on Twitter at strangerbythetwelve, or on Facebook or Instagram by searching for Stranger by the Dozen, or on our podcast network site at cradaline.com. And, yeah, it's funny that this is the uh, the ultimate answer to the ultimate question episode, because this episode also sort of, or some of the comics in this episode sort of turned the lens back on Stranger by the Dozen by having, like, a full recap of the life of Doctor Strange in the course of the comic this week. It's a little weird. It's like, you know, the, whatever, the abyss staring back at us suddenly. I don't know if I appreciate it, frankly. <laughs> <laughs> but but to that end, let's go to uh, Doctor Strange, Sorcerer Supreme, number nine, from November 1989. That was then. This is now. Uh, Roy Thomas and Dan Thomas writers, Jackson Guise artist, Janice Chang lettering, Max Shield colors, Mike Rotz- Rockwitz assistant editor, Ralph Macchio editor, Tom DeFalco editor in chief. So, well, you'll remember, Drew, we ended uh, the Sorcerer Supreme stuff last week with, um, with like, the cover of Now Magazine, a magazine put out by J. Jonah Jameson, a uh, famous uh, Daily Bugle uh, um, publisher, that was right. basically Morgana's bless- Morgana Blessing's book about Doctor Strange. Huh. Doctor Strange, the man, the myth, the magic... And he's freaking out about it, basically. You know, as you do, I guess, when someone's written an unauthorized biography about you, right? Well, I mean, if somebody's written a tell-all biography about me, I'd be pretty pissed, too. Yeah, I mean, especially, whatever, when you're pretending to be dead after having brainwashed the entire Earth because you were busy regaining your powers following, uh, you know, someone attempting to claim your title as Sorcerer Supreme from another dimension, you had to destroy all your stuff. But it turned out yeah. that your stuff was actually preserved by the caterpillar-like representative of one of the great gods of the galaxy. Hmm. We've had a weird couple weeks in Doctor on this Doctor Strange, these Doctor Strange comics, Drew. <laughs> <laughs> um, but so we start this comic with Doctor Strange shirtless and angry about um, this magazine coming out. He's hanging out with. Uh, you know, Rintra, his sort of jade green uh, minotaur disciple, uh, man servant Wong, Wong's uh, 
Wong's fiance Ime, then Topaz the empath, and Sarah Wolf, his uh, business manager. So, basically, you know, um, Strange is 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 pretty is pretty pissed, and Rintra is even more angry. Meanwhile, I feel like sort of Wong is trying to talk him down a little bit, or Wong and Ime are trying to talk him down a little bit. Like, hey man, just 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 calm down. Maybe things aren't as bad as you think they are. You and know? she she thought you were dead, you know. But um, <laughs> anyhow, after Rintra magically uh, fixes Doctor Strange's shirt, which Doctor Strange going shirtless is a real reoccurring theme of the comics this week. Mm. Um, Strange flies out to confront Morgana, and we get our first big wall of text. That's the interior oh. of the issue of Now magazine. Oh, man. This so, is... we've talked in the past, and it comes up a lot on, uh, on, on Space Spinner 2000, but man, I hate, uh, I hate text in comic books, Drew. I hate it a lot. And you know, it's not that I hate reading; it's just that I hate reading when they're when I could be looking at pictures with, with word bubbles in it. You know? Yeah, I mean, you know, I prep myself for a comic book, not for uh, an autobiography in the middle of a comic book. Basically, yeah. So it sort of cuts. So as Strange flies off, it sort of cuts to the interior of this magazine article, or you know, quote unquote magazine article that's supposed to have like excerpts of Morgana Blessing's book about Doctor Strange's life. Which sort of opens with, you know, maybe some backs, some Doctor Strange backs, or some Stephen Strange backstory, I guess, that we hadn't, maybe we don't know totally. Um, but just sort of his life growing up in Nebraska with his sister and all that stuff. Um, you know, moving to Bleecker Street, we learn that um, the ceremony for his funeral scored higher ratings than Married with Children when it was broadcast on the Fox Network, which is kind of funny. <laughs> um, Anyhow, and that's just sort of as the introduction to Morgana's book, which sort of starts at chapter three, but basically becomes sort of a, you know, becomes like episode one of this show and then a couple other sort of later big Doctor Strange moments, you know? So right. it sort of starts with the first Doctor Strange story from Strange Tales 110, where he like saves a businessman from, or you know, a murderous businessman who's being menaced by nightmare and stuff. Then sort of goes on to um, the story of going beyond the purple veil, or um, the House of Shadows, that uh, ghost house. Or that sorry, that alien house that was eating people that Doctor Strange fought, or even um, the deal with Tyboro, the extra-dimensional demon guy that was menacing that TV show back in like 1963. You know, mm, right? There's quick quick entries on uh, Doctor Strange fighting Dormammu, and then going after uh, Eternity and stuff like that. Leading eventually to like the story that sort of end, you know, leading slowly to stories that were sort of later in, especially Roy Thomas's run, um, like the the one where um, it's th they're snowing on New Year's Eve and like nightmare attacks and appears to have like eternity captured and stuff. Right. Or then I just want to yeah. say that the their artist interpretation of what the Dread Door Mammu looks like is pretty great. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I, I was going to say that's sort of a fun thing about this is that they do have sort of artist renditions of things, 
and and you know obviously we know what they look like from comic books but like sort of both the version of um eternity with sort of a a star body but like a regular cape or Dormammu with like ears and eyes and a nose but then like fire coming out of his head and stuff are very funny just in terms of like oh that's not what that guy looks like but you could see how sort of describing it how an artist could think of that you know I I'm left to wonder exactly how they got these done. If like maybe a a new artist at Marvel is like, well, okay, here we're gonna have you do this thing. We're gonna <laughs> describe a character to you, and you're gonna draw it. Maybe I don't. Yeah, that's an interesting question for sure. They don't. There's only one artist credited for it, I guess. Or but or maybe yeah. they just get like a very literal depict like description. And I bet that's what it that is. With they, yeah, they were just sort of trying to be like, all right, like you know, we want to be be as literal as possible if someone's trying to 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 draw it and stuff like that. Um, the rest of the stories are the time like when Doctor Strange destroyed the Ancient One's ego and then became Sorcerer Supreme himself, and eventually like the faithful meeting between Doctor Strange and Morgana Blessing that then led to the two of them going back in time to 1943 where they fought uh, demon-hunting Nazis with Nick Fury and stuff. And then more stories about, like, Doctor Strange fighting, you know, doing the, 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 Tess, the Montessi formula and destroying Dracula, and then eventually the attack of Doctor Strange and Morgana by, like, that... Uh, soldier of Earthona that led to Doctor Strange possessing Morgana for a brief period of time when we had our, our first look at like Lady Strange or whatever. Right. Which sort of leads eventually to the final story, which is the tale of uh, the uh, funeral of Doctor Strange. You know? Uh, all of this text leads to more text where there's just sort of an interview with Morgana Blessing by Now Magazine. I'd say the big thing about this one is just that Morgana kind of realizes that she was sort of a part-time girlfriend for Doctor Strange and his real love was still Clea, I think was the big one. <laughs> um, and then a bunch more of sort of like how she really liked Stephen Strange and just sort of wished they, they could have more of a relationship or something like that. And, you know... Again, how sad she is that he's dead, basically. <laughs> um, you know, and then also trying to say, like, hey, like, the world, you know, Doctor St you know, Strange worked in the shadows and no one really knows who he is, as opposed to all these other flashy superheroes. You know, the world should know that th we're in his debt and that he saved us a bunch of times, even if nobody ever saw it, you know? But so, uh, it's just so many words, Drew. It's just so uh... much... So much walls of text. Yeah, just so much black print on white paper that just makes it real tough. Eventually, it does flash back to just sort of the second, you know, to the non Doctor Strange characters, Sarah and Topaz Wong and Ime and Rintra, sort of talking about how they've read the article, and you know. Ime is trying to be sort of um, looking on the bright side and stuff, and like, oh, maybe it won't be that big a deal, and then. Rintra looks out the window and he says, ah, that might not be true. And they look out the window and just see a bunch of, like, a big crowded street scene out in front of the Sanctum Sanctorum. People selling Doctor Strange t-shirts and other things like that. Uh-oh. Yeah. Next up, Morbius, the living vampire, and the confrontation of Mor with Morgana Blessing. After that, there's a quick, uh... 
There's a quick editorial by J. Jonah Jameson, basically uh, saying that uh, Doctor Strange is a quack and not to be trusted, which I thought was kind of funny. Uh, this is standard uh, J. Jonah stuff. Yeah, although I, I, I want to say for the record that his criticism seems to be really unfounded. He sort of says that he uh, he says my own rule of thumb is to give the benefit of the doubt to any superhero who has a nine figure zip code parasites like Spider-Man the occultist Doctor Strange however are another matter entirely Doctor Strange is a zip code buddy like <laughs> you know 133A Bleecker Street or, or 177A Bleecker Street like that's an address it exists yeah, yeah man that's also like yeah, I'm not going to go like into like how hard J. Jonah is on Spider-Man all the time, but eh, yeah, eh, whatever. <laughs> yeah, and it's not like he's like, and also Doctor Strange isn't a big menace to the city like Spider-Man. You know, no one sees him about. You know, <laughs> when his activities do interfere with the material world, he always magics everything back to normal and erases everybody's memory. So it's like you know, it doesn't even like come up. You know what I mean? <laughs> for better or for worse, I guess. Um, the last sort of fifth uh, or sixth of this uh, comic is 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 some more of like these lore pages. Um, the Book of the Vashanti. Like I said last time, I think the 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 worry was that uh, Jackson Greece wouldn't be able to finish a whole comic book in time for deadline, so they basically tacked on like five or six, five to seven pages in the end of every issue that would just sort of be some backstory things and stuff like that. Uh, previously, they, they, we had a big backstory thing about um, Mordo and learned his crazy backstory where he, like, um, you know, sacrificed his mother and grandfather to Dormammu for ultimate power and then spent some time living in Transylvania fighting Dracula for control for uh, the right to murder innocent virgins for various reasons. <laughs> um, <laughs> be, it, be it just simply to eat or um, to cast e evil spells upon. But this is a new part... A new story for the Book of the Vashanti. It's uh, the Curse of the Darkhold. And this is the Curse of the Darkhold Part 1, the Montesi Formula. Uh, Roy Thomas and RJM Lossifer, um, writers David and Dan Day, artists Joe Rosen, letterer, Christy Shield, colorist, Ralph Macchio, editor. So the thing to know, Drew, about a lot, uh, about most of these um, Curse of the Dark, or uh, I guess Book of the Vashanti things, is that they're they're actually like large scale references to previous comic books, right. like to the point where this thing doesn't even have those like asterisks and references to it. They just put that in the back of the comic with like the letter column and stuff like that, because otherwise they'd just have like seven or eight per page, basically. <laughs> So in this case, so it, it sort of tells the story of the Darkhold. Um, it starts with a bunch of uh, werewolf by night recaps where Jack Russell, <laughs> the dog named re werewolf by night, sort of fought, um, <laughs> fought various barons and dragon monsters and stuff like that to get control of the Darkhold bo book. Then sort of coming up against Dracula and... Dracula fighting more, eventually pulling the uh, high high revolutionary into it and stuff. And then when um, 
you know, Dracula being temporarily destroyed and the book falling back into Vatican hands, etc. Then sort of through the hands of Morgan Le Fay into, into uh, Mordred's hand and then eventually sort of becoming a big deal when Scarlet Witch was being all evil and demonic, fighting the Avengers and eventually being saved, but the Darkhold be going into the Avengers' vault, at which point Doctor Strange picked it up and we sort of had our events of the Montessi formula with Doctor Strange and... Um, the Night Stalkers, like Blade and Hannibal King, uh, destroying all vampires on Earth, and permanently destroying all vampires on Earth, I should mention. Mm, yeah, and, I have questions about that. Yeah, and then the Darkhold being, of course, then seemingly... Well, no, the Darkhold wasn't destroyed when Doctor Strange destroyed all of his stuff. Um when Earthona tried to take it, but then the book was stolen from Earthona by Agamotto, and that's sort of how it goes. So, right. whatever. Big ol' um, Darkhold, you know, modern history of the Darkhold stuff, basically. You know, it's an evil yeah. book. It's been sort of the generic evil magic book MacGuffin of Marvel Comics for the last, like, 20, 20 years or so. Um, and, you know, it's just, and this is just sort of a thing that is centralizing all of those things and, you know, maybe retconning a little bit, but more sort of explaining just sort of how this book got from one place to another in different stories and things like that. Right. Yeah, so, you know, this is part one. We're going to see four parts of this this, th- th- this month because we're going to learn about this dark hold, buddy. I'll say that sort of talking about it now is going to make it way more fun when we get to the early 90s and the Rise of the Midnight Sun starts and the Darkhold Redeemers uh, storyline start, which is uh, an old school favorite of mine, I must say. Hmm. Okay. Anyhow, anyhow, speaking... Yeah, it's kind of a Twilight Zoning kind of thing, but whatever. We'll, we'll get to it, buddy. Don't worry. Yeah, um, yeah, we'll get there. We'll get there. 92, we're almost there, man. Um, <laughs> but so... We go to uh, Doctor Strange Sorcerer Supreme 10, which is from mid-November 89. All of the comics this month, or all the, the Sorcerer Supreme comics, are twice-a-month comics. So 9 and 10 are from November and mid-November, and then 11 and 12 are from December and mid-December. And hey, speaking of vampires, Drew, the cover of this one features a shirtless Doctor Strange being menaced by Morbius, the living vampire. Hey, wait a minute. Yeah, okay. Uh, <laughs> name of this of main of the main story is of course the Vampire Strikes Back. That's right. Oh. Roy, Roy Thomas really um going for the low-hanging fruit in all of the comics, all the story titles this this um episode. Like last time there was a story in Now magazine and it was about stuff that happened in the past, so it was that was then, this is now, you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> so, Roy Thomas and Dan Thomas writers, Jackson Guise artist, Janice Chang lettering, Max Shield colors, Mike Rockwitz, Rockwitz assistant editor, Ralph Macchio, or sorry, Mike, Mike Rockwitz assistant editor, Ralph Macchio editor, Tom DeFalco editor in chief. So, we start this kind of with Doctor Strange, invisible, flying through New York. He kind of starts the comic out a little sassy by saying, uh, in case you can't tell, I'm invisible. Which, like, <laughs> we talked last episode about Doctor Strange trying to go, uh, like, basically just going full dad joke with a lot of his um, dialogue with, um, it's, it's 
pretty bad. It, in Roy Thomas's work, yeah, I think he's sort of. I feel like they've gotten some letters in the ensuing uh, months and have and are toning it down a little bit. Although that's kind of rough. <laughs> I don't know. That's still pretty bad. Yeah, there's some bad ones. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna say there aren't some bad ones. But so. Uh, Doctor Strange is flying through New York. He's invisible. He sees a building, a very specific building, that is about to be, he thinks, errantly hit by a wrecking ball. So he starts casting spells to protect it. Uh, does some quick ones, like, let let no base force that man may wield pass through the Seraphim's bright shield. But then he makes a shield on the on the building that protects it from the wrecking ball, but makes the wrecking ball fly backwards at the guys trying to wreck the building. And it's uh, going to hit them. And so he's got to cast another spell. Uh, let yon instrument of doom be carried off by wings of Watum. And it grows wings and flies away and stuff. <laughs> at which point Doctor Strange realizes that, these, that if they weren't accidentally destroying that building, it was actually what they were intending to destroy. And he's like, hey, like I own that warehouse. What's going on with this? Um... But he's like, oh, I'll just put a pin in this, mark it down to talk to Sarah Wolf about later, and I gotta go off and do other business. So, smash cut to an entirely different comic, Drew. Yeah? Where a, uh, I guess like, a drug supplier is yelling at like a drug dealer that did all the drugs he was supposed to, he was supposed to, um sell or maybe tried to sell him with like counterfeit money or something like that like you paid me bad money for good dope and now i'm gonna kill you with this straight razor essentially in a uh in like sort of a random rundown you know abandoned warehouse thing but before the drug supplier guy with his snappy suit glasses and straight razor can kill this guy with the uh with the beaded braids um from the wall comes Morbius, the living vampire. Hey, wait a minute. We haven't seen Morbius before in the show, I don't think. But yeah, he's a Spider-Man villain slash ally, I'd say. Uh, hey, wears, wait a minute. Wears blue. He's got blue hair, white skin. He's a vampire, I guess. Got some no- Nosferatu nose stuff going on. Now, okay. Vampires, hold up. I thought we got rid of all those. Well, I mean, I'd say on, on one point, and I don't know if they'll say it um, explicitly, but for me, Morbius is okay because he's a, he's not a mystic vampire. He's a science vampire. Oh, okay. Like, he sort of experimented on himself with chemicals and ended up basically being scarred in such a way that looks incredibly vampirific with the pale skin, the sensitivity to sunlight, and needing to drink blood and stuff like that. But he's not actually inhabited... You know, he does, he's not, like, mystically enchanted by the demons of the dark hold or whatever. All right. So uh, Okay, that's that's fine. So, in, in theory, it would kind of make sense that... You know the dark that the Montesi formula wouldn't affect Morbius. I think also he might have actually found a cure for his vampirism uh, before the Montesi formula uh, was cast. I admit I didn't do a lot of research um, onto Morbius for this episode because he only he doesn't actually appear that much. I guess so. I was just like, ah, I'll I'll check this out later because I'm a lazy man, Drew. I, I apologize for that. <laughs> but anyhow, uh, Morbius shows up. 
and he's like, oh, I'm gonna be, you know, he 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 uh, has blood on his hands, and both physically and me- both literally and metaphorically, and he drinks some, and he's like, oh, I'm gonna be sick, I got the blood DTs or something like that. Um, mean- meanwhile, Doctor Strange, invisible, flies out to Morgana Morgana Blessing's front door and knocks on it, and um, when she opens the doors and see him sees him, she faints. And Doctor St- and you know Stephen Strange feeds her, uh, gives her a glass of water to help her come to, and then she punches him in the face. Well, to be fair, she has been thinking that he's been dead. No, not fair, Drew. That's not to be fair, because I don't know if you remember this, but an episode, but in uh, in Doctor Strange Sorcerer Supreme three from like a couple months ago, when um. Clea and Doctor Strange finally got like uh, demon married, and they got that ring that's two rings, but also the same ring. Uh, like a cool dude, Doctor Strange went to Morgana's uh, door, talked to her, and explained what the situation was. Morgana was cool with it. Oh, well, then not cool then. That happened seven issues ago. It happened for real. Or I got well. Okay, maybe. I don't want to. I don't want to make bold claims. I I haven't read super far ahead. It th- th- there could very very realistically actually be some kind of shape shifting demon that's playing a prank on Doctor Strange for this stuff. But as far as we know right now, this is just a mess up as part of the transition from Peter Gillis to uh, to Roy and Dan Thomas. All they just right. no one either no one told them about what happened in 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 in, in issue three or they missed it. Or, like, maybe even possibly just in preparation for going twice monthly, they just made stuff ahead of time before issue three came out or something like that. But this is, as far currently, um, a misstep. So, whatever. Okay. All right. I'm just saying, we gotta, you know, every once in a while we catch these guys messing up and you gotta call them out to keep them honest, Drew. That's my <laughs> motto. Anyhow, because like, cause she's like crying, being like, I thought you were dead, and you just left me with three cracked ribs as a result of the, or- of the Orthona situation and stuff like that. And that's not quite what happened, you know, and because he sort of checked in with her since then, it sort of explains a little bit what the situation is, I guess. I don't know. But basically, she's here, uh, Doctor Strange is here talking to Organa, asking her to kill the book. Don't publish uh, this book that has my secrets in it. And I want, like, I want to also say that, like, this, like, from what we, from what they put in the book, like, last time, it sort of, it definitely reveals that Doctor Strange is the Sorcerer Supreme and a magic user that's very powerful and has saved the Earth a bunch of times. But it's not like he's, it's, like, particularly, like, scandalous or something like that. You know what I mean, Drew? Yeah, but, you know, if you want to keep, like, a low-key profile, this is kind of counterintuitive. That's true. But, I mean, I don't know. He sort of presents it as this big betrayal, I guess. And I could see it, especially if she thought he was dead, as being sort of a testament to this heroic man she loved. Um, And wanting to be, like, a testament to his heroism, just because he risked so much and eventually paid the ultimate price, and no one really knew about it. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. But anyhow, um, they have a big fight. 
Doctor uh, uh, Morgana has bought some sort of like four thousand year old idol uh, statue thing. She throws it at Doctor Strange. Strange is like, hey, like you know, let's be civil here. Um, and he magically fixes the idol, and he's like, I'll do you one last favor by or uh, I'll I'll do you one last thing and um, fix this idol for you. And Morgana Blessing is like, do me one last favor and don't do me one last favor. And she re-breaks the statue. Oh, dang. <laughs> and Strange flies off and, you know, Morgana sort of, cr- like, crumbles down and cries, basically. You know? Right. Strange goes flying home and it's like, you know, he's he basically down in the dumps as um, he comes back. When he arrives, he sort of quickly talks to Sarah Wolf about what's going on with that building that was being destroyed at the start of the issue. Uh-huh. And she kind of talks about just like, oh yeah, like no one was no one was using it. I was the executor of your estate, and there was no reason to keep this building running. And whatever was just sort of sucking up electricity and like could be sold for a pretty good profit. So like, you know, I just did that. You know, I shut the power off, had it destroyed, all that stuff. And Strange is like, you had the power shut off? And she's like, yeah, like, you know, we couldn't have raised the building if the power was on, right? Like, what's going on? And Doctor Strange, of course, does the classic, um, you know, cable TV show thing where he asks questions that look like they mean something, and then when people ask, well, what do you mean by those questions? He just kind of walks off. <laughs> As Doctor Strange prepares for bed and gets shirtless, because again, that's how Doctor Strange rolls these days. No shirt. Man, a whole lot of like shirtless Strange here. I want to say we talked a little bit last um, episode about how Greece ju- does kind of draw really, like maybe not exploitative, but really like sort of like fashion or stylized um, dr- drawings of the female characters on the uh, in this comic, and like between Doctor Strange and Rintra. Like, he's he's hitting both sides of the aisle in terms of just, like, <laughs> like here are some attractive human beings in this comic book. You know what I mean? Here is an attractive green minotaur thing. Well, but, you know, you, like, take off the horns. <laughs> he's still got, like, a six-pack and, like, a, a chiseled butt or, you know, mi- mino butt. I don't know. But so... <laughs> As Doctor Strange gets ready for, you know, D-shirts and gets ready for bed, um, he listens to his answering machine, which is, of course, an awesome audio cassette answering machine. <laughs> really, yes. really takes me back. Um, but it's mostly, like, people calling with interview requests and merchandising things and stuff like that. Um, eventually, though, he gets a mysterious call from someone named Vic. Uh, he's like, I'm confused. Thanks, heaven. Stevie, this is Vic. I'm real confused. Thank heaven you're still in the phone book. Uh, you got. I'm in a phone booth. I'm in a phone booth. You gotta help me. Doctor Strange summons the Eye of Orga- uh, the Eye of Agamotto, and has it show him the of the uh, who the the owner of the voice that was just on the phone was. At which point, Doctor Strange sort of freaked out. Basically, just runs out of the Sanctum Sanctorum, pursuing pursuing the voice with the orb you know definitely super shirtless and we get a couple good rentra behind pictures in this shot as well it's good times i guess, <laughs> I guess it's a it's a buffalo shot now that i'm thinking about it oh yeah, yeah but um so we cut to this guy in 
a tuxedo, I think. I, I, yeah, in a tuxedo. Um, run, you know, who is being chased by Morbius. The thing that you should know about this guy is that periodically... Uh, sorry, it's a guy named Victor, possibly the guy from the phone. He occasionally has squiggly red word bubbles, which is not a good sign for someone not being evil. Uh, yeah, that's usually a third indication of being evil. Yeah. You know, if you if you should ever like contract this at home, go get checked out by your doctor. Yeah, if your word bubble starts looking non-white uh, and 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 uh, oval, then you gotta you gotta do something. <laughs> And of but course, so, if your word bubbles start coming out kind of orangish, uh, you have much bigger problems. Oh no! You got the uh, what you calls it? Now I forget Iron Man two. I don't know. You got the whatevers. <laughs> no Iron whatever Man three. Whatever Deadpool has. Oh yeah! Oh my gosh! Yeah, that's bad. That's yeah. even worse. Yeah. Um, but so Victor is on the run from Morbius. He's, he tries to jump from rooftop to rooftop, but fails. But as he falls, he gets picked up by Doctor Strange. Doctor Strange deposits Victor on the ground and has, you know, a vampire fight, yeah, uh, a wizard vampire fight with, with Morbius. Um, he loses his cloak and it's definitely like shirtless Strange trying to cast spells and punching Morbius in the face and stuff like that. Eventually, he pulls the old um, have the cloak of levitation sneak up behind your opponent and, uh, and grapple him while you punch him in the face move, which usually works. Um, Morbius sort of yells at Doctor Strange. This is sort of seems like a classic um, superhero mix-up where he's like, "No, you don't understand. You've got to like. I wasn't really trying to kill Victor. You've got to look at him. Look at him." Strange does, and we just see Doctor Strange's eyes be all freaked out. So. Soon afterwards, we return to the Sanctum Sanctorum, where Strange walks in carrying the body of Victor in a fireman carry, and Morbius sort of, um, you know, slinks in after after him. And we learn two things: one, this guy Victor, he's a vampire, buddy. God, wait a minute, fangs and everything. Wait a minute. Second revelation, Drew. This is Doctor Strange's brother who died ten years ago. <gasps> yeah, to be continued. <laughs> so we go to uh, the Book of Ashanti, the Curse of the Darkhold Part Two, the Voodoo Queen of New Orleans, Roy Thomas and RJM Lossifer writers, David and Dan Day artists, Joe Rosen letterer, Christy Shield colorist, Ralph Macchio editor, Tom DeFalco editor in chief. So more um you know, more backstory stuff, in this case about Marie Laveau, who was the, uh, yeah, the voodoo queen of New Orleans. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah. She had, uh, she lived a long time and then had an affair with Cagliostro, you know, the uh, wizard of uh, time, who was eventually revealed to be futuristic wizard Sisseneg, as we'll all recall. Um, But she sort of, you know, was his lover for a time, and she learned how to extend her life, although eventually, 
Um, even she grew old and almost died, so she had her uh, her servant, who was a Cajun dude named Gaston. You know, no one casts spells like Gaston. No one sacrifices <laughs> oh, no. virgins like Gaston, I guess. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, this was actually like five years before that movie, so whatever. But, um... <laughs> he kind of did some did some um, sacrificing for Marie Laveau to uh, keep her young, which included taking blood from a captive Count Dracula. Uh, the spell worked, and it made Laveau um, young again, but also killed Gaston. He sacrificed his life as well. Like all of the all the years she lost were applied to Gaston right away. Became like a big skeletal dude with his eyeballs falling out and stuff, which is pretty neat. No one. No one dies like Gaston. No one loses <laughs> eyes like Gaston. <laughs> I use garlic at all of my decorating. Uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> um, but so a now young Marie Laveau uh, is like, "Hey, Dracula! Like, I am an immortal wizard lady, and I could use a willing source of vampire blood going forward." We're both ageless uh, bad guys how about we go out and Dracula's like I could never date a woman who has captured me previously um you know Dracula out <laughs> whatever standards yeah at the same time uh, the maybe not the dark yeah the uh, including the dark hole is being studied by the cardinal of the catholic church that would go on to be silver dagger who would eventually fight Doctor Strange both on his own and as a pawn of Marie Laveau in a Marvel team-up, like where um, Miss Marvel, Spider-Man, and Doctor Strange teamed up of a long time ago on the podcast. Oh, man, that was forever ago. Um, I forget which episode, I'm afraid. But then, um, led eventually, you know, this more sort of side Marie Laveau stories, basically. Um, this one is an important one where Marie Laveau realizes that after the... Uh, Montessi formula was was put into action. Like she needs vampire blood to m- m- remain immortal, but there's no vampires left, Drew. So, in a Marvel fanfare, she sent um, Monica Rambeau, uh, Captain Marvel, back in time to the age of Cagliostro, where Cagliostro then helped her meet a young Count Dracula and take some blood from him some way or another. But we found out that when she tried to return to the present, when she returned to the present, the vampire blood was instantly destroyed because the overlay of the Montessi formula means that vampires can't enter our world either. We've seen that on the, on, in, in the comics before as well. Yeah. But what is that, you know... The implication, basically, is what does that mean with Victor being alive, you know? Like, if no yeah. vampires can exist, how come this vampire guy is um, here, you know? What, what's up with that? Yeah, put a pin in that, though, because um, as we go to Doctor Strange Sorcerer Supreme 11 for December 1989, the Hobgoblin of Little Minds... Rory Thomas and Dan Thomas writers, Jackson Guise artist, Janice Chang lettering, Tom Vincent colors, Mike Rockwitz, assistant editor, Ralph Macchio editor, Tom DeFalco editor in chief. So, this episode starts off with like a one pa- with basically one panel of um, Doctor Strange magically binding the na- the now nude body of his kid brother Victor. That's a little weird. 
in front of everybody too. <laughs> like it's yeah, crazy. It's so <laughs> um, is this like is this like older brother shenanigans? It's like, haha, you're naked in front of everybody. <laughs> it's it seems possible. It really does. <laughs> uh, there's a weird shot in here of um of Sarah Wolf sort of like comment commenting on things and she's just like it's straight up just like a, a picture of a lady from a fashion magazine basically <laughs> just like standing on their hands in her pockets like look at these fall fashions you know yeah. but but we also see the hobgoblin preparing to attack Doctor Strange oh dude hobgoblin you are a bit out of your league there buddy so you know, Hobgoblin, this is sort of a... This is kind of a powered-up... Okay, so here's the deal with Hobgoblin, Drew. Yes, Hobgoblin's a Green Goblin knockoff. Everybody knows it. We're all aware of it. He's yeah. using Norman Osborn's junk, the Bat Glider, and pumpkin bombs and stuff like that. Uh-huh. Uh, this iteration of Hobgoblin, though, has sold his soul to, like, some demon guy. And he's a full-on oh, okay. demon. He's not wearing a mask or nothing with his weird um, goblin head, basically. Because I was going to be saying, he's punching a little bit uh, a little bit higher than his weight class. Well, that's the other thing, is that this is part of the Axe of Vengeance storyline. Mm. Basically... After um, Inferno, which was this big um, mutant-only special event in 1988, I believe, the next year they wanted to have a big, like, multi-comic, everywhere-always event that didn't include mutant space, or that that wasn't mutant-focused, but was focused on the rest of the Marvel Universe. Right. And to do so, they basically made this thing called Acts of Vengeance, which which is was a plan by your top by all the top Marvel supervillains. You know who, who, who I'm talking about your your Dooms and your Red Skulls and your Magnetos and so forth to fight all the super to fight all the superheroes at once, but have it be done by have the superhero have, have the superheroes be fought by people who aren't part of their regulars rogue their regular rogues gallery, basically. So, as seen in this case by Doctor Strange, by Hobgoblin coming to fight Doctor Strange, you know the two of these these guys don't have any beef. They've never fought or anything like that. But um, yeah, it's part of this Axe of Vengeance storyline. Um, I feel like this is a kind of a forgotten one as as these things go. Um, the big thing that that comes out of the Act of Vengeance storyline is this cool part where. Uh, Magneto traps Red Skull in the bottom of this pit with like just like a bunch of water, and that's oh, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, a, oh man, that's so cool. in the darkness because basically, like, hi, I'm Magneto. Like, you know, I, I'm a Holocaust survivor. Hey, you're Red Skull. You're like a Nazi officer. <laughs> now it's time for me to have some acts of vengeance. In this case, just leaving you to rot deep underground in the darkness. You know, yep. It's a really cool panel if you can check it out. It's definitely cool. It's um, it's also like sort of a reason why people are so angry about um, parts of uh, the current storyline with uh, people ending up being Hydra agents and stuff like that, despite uh, previous uh, let's, let's, let's allegiances. But let's not get into that. <laughs> Basic thing though. There's a big council of supervillains. They handed out um. S- superheroes to beat up assignments and Hobgoblin drew Doctor Strange he didn't draw very well (laughs) but so anyhow 
as sort of Hobgoblin prepares to fight Doctor Strange, Strange tells the backstory of his relationship with Victor, which is basically like we go way back, apparently 10 years ago, but I don't think this is good chronology of this. But apparently 10 years ago is when Doctor Strange was still rich, jerk Doctor Strange. Pre-car accident, pre-everything. Um, and because he was so rich and couldn't be deal with anything, he skipped um, his... He skipped, like, his dad's funeral, basically. Mm. And his mom's... Oh, yeah. yeah, and their mom had already died previously, so he basically skipped both their parents' funerals. And Victor shows up on, doc- on, uh, on like, you know, callow young Doctor Strange's door to be like, you know, WTF, bro. And Doctor Strange is, you know, and uh, Steven's like, oh, you know, I've just been super busy, like with this blonde lady that was in my bed, you know, in my bedroom and stuff like that. Uh, Victor storms out angry, and as he storms out into the parking lot of Doctor Strange's building, he gets hit by a car and dies. Doctor Strange, uh, Stephen Strange pronounces his brother Victor dead on the scene, because he's the closest possible um, physician. Which is a bummer! That is a bummer. Yep. So... After so, And then after that, basically on kind of a whim or racked by grief or something... He had Doctor Strange had his brother Victor's body frozen in like a cryostasis unit, basically. That huh. that one, you know, hoping, praying that one day medical science would find the cure for getting hit by a car going like sixty miles an hour. It's a heck of a cure, I'll tell you. Um, he's basically been in there ever since. Doctor Strange put the maintenance of the building and the uh, the cryogenic freezing uh, stuff in like a, a blind trust that he couldn't touch even as he was drinking himself to death and you know the events of him needing to get new hands and become a sorcerer supreme and all that stuff took place right so I don't like the t- I don't, personally I don't like the time for this I feel like more time has passed since Doctor Strange has you know from even just him getting his hands broken to being trained to be a sorcerer to the start of the comic to all the events of the comic to now, basically. Like, it's been 25 actual years, like, in terms of, like, production of the comic. And having all of that stuff take just 10 years doesn't seem realistic to me. You know, maybe, like, 15 years or something like that might be more. Or even more like 20 or something. Just because we know that you don't, you're immortal so long as you're in the Ancient Ones, as you're in Camertage and stuff. Right. Like, but, you know, Marvel Comics timelines. Yeah. No, I mean, it's not that, like, all that stuff could have happened in 10... I don't know, just sort of, like, especially because there's a, a lot of other um, writers sort of write Doctor Strange as taking, like, Doctor Strange starting his career before, like, the Fantastic Four and stuff like that. Yeah. Um it's just I don't know the timeline doesn't hold together as well as I might as I I might like I guess, but anyhow, Doctor Strange is sort of like all right I've uh, I've fro- I've uh, magically uh, resealed my brother so I'll figure out what's going on with him uh, before he can though he uh, uh, he the the phone rings and he answers it and it's another person looking for. Um, uh, an interview with Doctor Strange. This one 
is for Dr. Wayne Schuyler, who is the host of the television program, The 13th Hour. Now, Drew, you were on the show for this, but on the first episode of this podcast, there was a show called The 12th Hour. That was a late night talk show about um, mystical stuff for Dr. Strange, and... Uh That show was there to basically discredit magic stuff, and in doing so, they summoned the demon Taboro from a uh, from a, uh, a mystic statue. And Strange had to go to the other to Taboro's dimension and recover all of the um, the the peep the uh, TV crew that was there. And it was the, also one of the first times that Doctor Strange ever brainwashed anybody in the comics. <laughs> um. The the footnote in this in this issue lists it as Strange Tales Volume One Nineteen or what, Number One Twenty Six. It was actually One Twenty Nine, but don't worry about it too much. Uh, <laughs> he, uh, uh, Doctor Strange, agrees to go on this program because the because tw- the twelfth and now thirteenth hour have a history of trying to debunk mis- mystical things. So he plans to go on there, allow them to debunk him. And thus it will discredit um, Morgana's blessing book about him, basically. But after he agrees, he watches, he sees a TV commercial for the appearance, and it turns out that Morgana will be there as well, which means the show is probably not going to try to discredit him, and instead will, um, you know, try to promote Morgana's book, basically. Right. Anyhow... We sort of cut ahead. It's the evening. Doctor Strange is on the show. All of the uh, the rest of the Doctor Strange Scooby Gang is watching TV. Is watching the show from their house. Uh, Rintra's got a giant bowl of popcorn, which is kind of funny. Uh, all the ladies are in like their nightgowns and stuff. I don't know. And we but we cut to the studio where both Morgana and Doctor Strange are on this panel with like sort of the hosts. Doctor Strange is wearing a, a co- what I can only describe as a Cosby sweater. It's like, it is something else. It's orange and it's got like horse heads on it or something. <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah. <laughs> Anyhow, they sort of spar back and forth about Doctor Strange and the veracity of his plans and stuff. But it's all for naught because through the roof comes the Hobgoblin! And he's attacking everybody. Oh, geez. <laughs> throwing explosive pumpkins, threatening the whole scene, etc. Luckily, as they begin to fight and Doctor Strange sort of stranges up, basically, he casts a spell to basically make everybody fall asleep and the camera stop uh, stop transmitting. So his secret's safe once more. But, you know, Strange and the Hobgoblin have a big big fight. Big Hobgoblin-Strange fight. (laughs) We, We learn that, um... The hobgob- that Hobgoblin isn't wearing a mask, that he's actually this demonic dude. And eventually Doctor Strange manages to sort of trick him t- into leaving by mystically making it appear that his demon face has been healed and that he's now um, a regular guy. At the same time, Rintra bursts in and is like, I'm here to help! And um, Doctor Strange is like, ah, we're fine, don't worry about it. <laughs> so... Whatever, all is well that ends well. Um, Morgana sort of realizes that Doctor Strange is, you know, she should respect his wishes about not um, going to going to publish with this book, although it's probably a little late to fully stop it. 
and you know they're sort of reconciled a little bit just in terms of like being friends and not yelling at, at each other angrily anymore Rincher and Doctor Strange return to Doctor Strange's uh, they return to the Sanctum Sanctorum where they find Wong, Ime, and Sarah Wolf uh, carving jack-o'-lanterns I guess apparently it's Halloween I don't know oh okay <laughs> sure <laughs> yeah so whatever everything's sort of like all is well that ends well to an extent. Uh, Hobgoblin flies off into the sunset, perhaps to learn that he's not, that he's in fact still ugly. It's Doctor Strange is mystified as to why Hobgoblin would attack him in the first place. And J. Jonah Jameson is livid that his publicity efforts for Morgana Blessing's book have failed because of technical difficulties because of Doctor Strange's magical influence. Ah, <laughs> you suck, Jameson. <laughs> All right, so let's go to uh, the Book of the Vishanti, uh, or the, the Curse of the Darkhold, Part 3, Dawn of Blood, which is the super old-school history of the Darkhold, basically. Right. Of, like, the the, demiur- the demiurgic powers of the Marvel Universe uh, set Chython and Gaia, who were, you know, created the initial beings, which then killed each other, which then fought amongst each other, and, you know, endless age of combat until finally, like, Cole and Conan and Red Sonia beat everybody up, and, you know, more cataclysms, more, um, empires rise and fall, vampires everywhere, eventually... As the demons died, they left behind scattered pages of their darkest rituals, which were eventually bound into the Darkhold through various forces, including, like, you know, Morgan Le Fay shows up, uh, Mordred shows up, you know, Merlin's there, everybody's going around, uh, eventually putting this book together and trying to figure things out. You know what I mean? It's a real sorcerer's who's who. Yeah, Merlin eventually passes the book um, on to the Catholic Church, I guess, uh, where their strongest mystic knight, uh, uh, Brendan, takes over control of it. And eventually it then goes to... um, It then goes to, like, the Vatican, and we'll kind of deal with it next time. But basically, like, Brendan thought he'd scatter the pages all over the world, and that'd be the best way to do it. But that's not the best way to do it, as we'll see next time, essentially. (laughs) I don't know. It's tough because, like, this is all, like, this backstory stuff is very big for Marvel world building. But it seems like it's mostly setting up a vampire storyline that's going to happen after we do all of this uh, Acts of Vengeance storyline stuff. You know? Right. Because that takes us to Doctor Strange Sorcerer Supreme 12 from mid-December 1989. Some Enchantress Evening. Wah! (laughs) Um, Roy and Dan Thomas writers. Jackson Guise artist. Janice Chang lettering. Gregory Wright colors. Mike Rockwitz assistant editor. Ralph Macchio editor. Tom DeFalco editor-in-chief these titles keep getting worse this is really like some enchantress evening is is a monstrous title for a comic featuring the enchantress (laughs) but so basically we start off with dr strange rintra and sarah wolf all at the uh dr strange memorial center for spiritual education or something you know the center essentially where they do some mystic stuff in theory. Doctor Strange is basically doing some research 
into um, why the Hobgoblin attacked him and stuff like that. Um, as they do this, and like they sort of, you know, and uh, Sarah's getting files as well, they're just sort of doing, you know, doing office stuff around the office, basically. Um, as they do, Dr. Strange notices that the center has a visitor, and the visitor is an attractive lady. Uh-huh. She introduced herself as Amora Incantare. Oh, come on. <laughs> and, uh, you know, listen, Drew, I'm not going to lie that we don't know the um, Enchantress is on the cover of this comic book, and that means that this uh, sexy lady is obviously the Enchantress, all right? She's obviously the Enchantress. It's okay. Okay. And, just, and it, just, you know, from my, my knowledge of Thor comics, it's it's stupidly obvious that this is the Enchantress. Right, because the, cause the Enchantress's name is Amora, and then her, her, her last name is basically Incarnate. <laughs> like... <laughs> Any, especially then when she sort of introduces herself as a rich heiress lady who's oh she's so sad because she keeps having the same dream over and over again where she uh is chased across a deathless landscape by a man wielding a dual a double-bladed axe her executioner executioner of course long-term uh ally of the enchantress Anyhow, this is obvious to everybody, Drew. You know what it's not obvious to? Mm. Doctor Strange, because they make out. Uh. Rintra catches them making out, and even Rintra, who is a bull man from beyond the stars, <laughs> realizes that this is no good, essentially. It's bad. Um... Ventra's like, hey, Doctor, like, hey, hey, Master, um, who is that lady? And Doctor Strange's like, oh, you know, whatever, she seemed nice. Uh, don't worry about it. I'm gonna walk home alone. And Ventra's like, hey, have you been bewitched by that lady? Like, is she charming you magically? And Strange's like, ah, whatever. I'll see you. I'll talk to you later. <laughs> and Ventra starts freaking out. He like runs all the way home. In this case, in the guise of uh, Bob Dylan. <laughs> he always, he always, all of his magical spells cause him to uh, look like celebrities. Basically, he sort of rushes his way in, blows past Wong and Ime, goes to the Orb of Agamotto, and basically calls up Clea. And it's like, hey, Clea, like Doctor Strange is cheating on you with some magical goddess or enchantress or something or other. You gotta help us out. Uh, what a narc. Yeah, dry snitching, by the way. <laughs> but as they kind of like gloss over last episode, Clay is actually super busy putting down a revolt by the by the mindless ones um, in the dark dimension. Like she's busy, she'd know if Doctor Strange was in peril because of the rings that they wear. So like, I'm sure Doctor Strange can handle it. And I'm super busy. Get out of here, bull guy. Essentially. <laughs> <laughs> and Rintra, of course, then uh, you know knows what he's got to do, and that means I gotta I gotta handle this myself. So, on the roof deck of the uh, Empire State Building, Drew, yeah, this huh? Amora lady, oh, she's looking off in the distance in her uh, in her fur coat and her 
tight green pants and some guy hits on her and she's like get out of here I'm waiting for someone specific threatening him with um, the executioner seemingly waiting behind this guy threatening to cut off his head I don't know if you if, if you're aware of this Drew but Amor has revealed herself to be the enchantress oh what a shocking surprise <gasps> oh no <laughs> I didn't see this turn of events coming Doctor Strange shows up and is like, I I know who you are, Enchantress. You don't scare me. Like, I'm going to take you down. And the Enchantress is like, are you sure you wouldn't magic, You wouldn't uh, rather make out with me and be um, taken control of by my mystical charms instead? And Doctor Strange basically says, uh, oh, okay, I will try that, actually. And they make out, and he starts uh, passing out, basically. But here's here's the thing, Drew. Uh-huh. Here's the thing. Yeah. So there was a guy that hit on the Enchantress before Doctor Strange showed up. Yeah. What if I told you that that guy is actually Doctor Strange? Oh, dang. And the, doctors, and the Doctor Strange we just saw was Rintra pretending to be Doctor Strange trying to help. Which, buddy... Buddy, that means the Enchantress just made out with Rintra, who's a big bull guy. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> Anyhow, big wizard fight between. Um, so, uh, Rintra's passed out, dominated by the Enchantress. Meanwhile, Doctor Strange fights the Executioner and with Enchantress assistance. There's a bunch of talk sort of about how this isn't the actual Executioner. It's some sort of reincarnation or other redo of the, of the Executioner because the actual one is dead someplace. But that's for a Thor podcast. We don't kind of worry about it that much. Enchantress sort of powers up and is about to sort of turn the tide and defeat Doctor Strange. Oh, by the way, I should mention also, Enchantress has been called in by Loki as part of the Acts of Vengeance storyline to take down Doctor Strange, you know. Because um, she's, you know, they've they've actually fought a couple times, but only in the pages of like defenders. Basically, they've never had a solo fight. But she's like, oh, I can do my job for the acts of vengeance thing, and if I happen to steal some of your mystic essence, then oh, so much the better. Unfortunately, as the enchantress is about to to, to turn the tide of the fight, Buddy Clea shows up. Oh no. <laughs> Hey, she made some time in her schedule. Clea looks super cool as she just sort of like pops into being in the middle of the sky. And then she, you, you sort of see the gate that she uses to travel. And it's this big mystic like pink fanged mouth and stuff like that. That's pretty rad. Yeah. And she shows up and basically says like, listen, oh, oh sorry. Enchan- the, the, the Enchantress is like, oh, like you're Doctor Strange's little princess. Like, get out of here. And Clea's like, listen, like, one, all right, I'm the queen of the dark dimension. That's queen. Two, I got the pedigree. Um, I'm Umar's daughter and Dormammu's niece. And three, I have the flames of regency, which gives me all the mystical power of the dark dimension, which is an inherently mystical realm in the power of my hands. And the enchantress is attacked by, like, sort of by mystical energy to the point that she forgets where she's from and says, by the beard of Zeus! (laughs) Like, it's you know you're kicking someone's butt when you make an Asgardian swear by a Greek god, dude. Oh, man. (laughs) 
Anyhow, uh, she escapes. Doctor Strange um, does some more of his sort of dad joke things by telling the Enchantress to take the Executioner, please. <laughs> and with villainy destroyed, they sort of, you know, Doctor Strange basically yells at Ventra and is like, dude, like, I knew that was the Enchantress. Man, I was making her play, I was playing along with her. Like, come on, buddy, give me some credit. Which is... I think the second or third time this has happened, whereas one of Doctor Strange's disciples has thought he was in the thrall of some lady, when in fact he was just kind of playing along, you know? And then, um, Doctor Strange and Clea make out in the sky over New York City, which is nice, you know? Okay, yep. And as the two of them uh, make out and declare their love for each other, we meet our next villain in the Axe of Vengeance storyline, Archon! Who's some sort of, like, thunder dude? I don't know. We'll see you next week. We'll see you next episode. Alright. <laughs> so, quickly, ah, uh, the final part of the Book of the, of the Vishanti for this for this um, episode. The Curse of the Darkhold, Part 4, The Legacy of Aelfric. So, Aelfric, he's this monk dude in medieval England. Eventually, he sort of masters the Darkhold and sends it back to Rome. In Rome, the uh, Darkhold is sort of bound and secured by the um, by a monk named Montesi, who then, because he was he managed to avoid being um, corrupted by the book, gets special dim- dispensation from the Pope to. Uh, marry and have children, and his family line will be the line that um, protects the Darkhold. Eventually, one of his ancestors figures out the formula, all that stuff. Uh, meanwhile, you know, there's demon stuff going on. They're fighting guys. Um, the big one is um, Varne, the king of the vampires, or the lord of the vampires, I guess. Mm-hmm. He's sort of aware of the churches, of the formula, and the, the needs of the church to uh, destroy all vampires and stuff. Right. And, you know, swears vengeance, blah, blah, blah. And so, whatever. Doctor Strange basically finishes... Doctor Strange has been sort of reading and commenting at the end of every episode of every episode of the, of, of the Darkhold things. Sort of saying, like, you know, we did the formula, we killed all these vampires... But he finishes this one by saying, "Like, but you know, that's the that's a battle we've won. When Dracula perished, every vampire on Earth perished with him for all time, didn't they? Didn't they?" Well, and I guess we'll see I, next step. Next time when we talk about the story of Varna, I guess. Right, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So let's go to uh, Marvel Comics presents. 44 from March 1990. Oh my gosh, 1990. Oh, geez. So, you remember Marvel Comics Presents are these sort of longer comics that had four stories in it, often with extended um, storylines and stuff? Uh-huh. So, we're just dipping into this one. This, ep- this issue has a Wolverine story and a Wonder Man story and a Puma story, but we're just dipping in for one quick story, so it's not even worth, like talk about what's going on with them you know wolverine fights dudes that's what's important in it's in a temple setting i'll have you know right anyhow (laughs) (laughs) the the doctor strange story is called trashed 
with Roy Thomas writer, Dave Simmons art, Janice Chang letterer, Nell Amtov colorist, and then uh, Terry Cavanaugh editor, uh, Kelly Corvice assistant editor, and Tom DeFalco was editor in chief. This is a weird story just because. Like, Roy Thomas is also just writing regular Doctor Strange. Like, why does he need another forum to tell Doctor Strange stories in, you know? But whatever, I guess. This one's yeah. mostly a this one's mostly a, a Rintra story, actually, which I, I appreciate. I'm sort of like I'm 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 really enjoying Rintra just as sort of a a green, naive bull wizard. Like, I don't know. <laughs> he's he, he's fun, you know? Yeah, yeah. But so this story sort of starts with Doctor Strange doing Sorcerer Apprentice stuff, um, animating brooms and other things around the Sanctum Sanctorum to help him do to help him to help Rintra do chores. And then Doctor Strange is assigned even or and then Rintra is, ascri- is assigned even more chores. He's basically sent down to help Wong out, and Wong's like, "Take out the trash," and Rintra's like. Hey, like, don't you have anything better um, fitting my stature as the Master's Apprentice? And Wong pulls the old Zen, um, you get the, you take out the trash because you're the Master's Apprentice, you know? That sounds like Wong just wants to get out taking out the trash. I mean, listen, when you're the top servant, you can have the servants you're in charge of do the bad jobs, Drew. That's, (laughs) that's like why you become top servant, you know? But so, oh, sorry, one more thing I want to say before we get started with the actual story is that throughout this, um, it seems like Rancher's been watching a lot of TV just because um, he's constantly making hackneyed exclamations. He sort of starts out by saying Faith and Begora, and then when he uh, tries to take the trash out, but then he trip, but then he trips on a, on, a, on, a, on a stray cat and drops the garbage bags that's covered in trash and stuff. He says, suffer and succotash. Oh, jeez. Anyhow, he sort of magics up all the trash and just has it sort of crawl or walk over to a nearby vacant lot where it just kind of collapses. And he's like, all right, I magic, I magically walked all the trash to that vacant lot. That's good enough for where trash should go because I'm an alien and I understand this stuff. And I'll just on to the next thing. Uh-oh. Unfortunately, he didn't can't, he didn't end the spell or anything. So suddenly, that big pile of trash comes alive and becomes a big monster. Uh oh! And as a big monster, it now wanders the streets of New York, eating stray cats, eating trash cans, and then dumpsters full of food. And oh, it's just a bad time. Yeah. Rintra goes out to stop it. Does a real bad job. Um, finally, ma- like manages to save people in you know, a city bus from getting eaten by the monster, but that's about it. Almost gets eaten by it completely until Doctor Strange finally manages to come and save his bacon, and that's basically the story. <laughs> he sort of yeah pulls out the you know Doctor Strange eventually shows up, um, cancels the spell, and just makes the turn into a big pile of garbage, and then. Um, drags Rintra home to be in even more trouble and starting by restricting his TV privileges and stuff like that. Oh no! Oh no! <laughs> Dr. Strange's monologue, Some days I rather like having an apprentice. Perhaps tomorrow will be one of them. Okay. Oh! <laughs> oh, the sickest of burns. Totally. So... Let's go to the star, to the crown jewel of this episode, Drew. 
Oh, I'm really excited about this. <laughs> and the crown jewel of, I'd say, just, just Doctor Strange comics from the start. Marvel Fanfare 49 from February 1980. Strange on the Range. Alan Weiss, Story and Art. L.P. Gregory, Letters. Uh, George Theakson, Colors. Alan Milgram, Editor. Tom DeFalco, Chiefing. So, Drew. Yes. I don't know if you remember, like, June of last year when I was just starting this show. And yeah. I had been flipping through just all the Doctor Strange comics we were right. going to... I was going to cover at some point on this show. And there was one that I yelled about and I, and I made everybody look at the cover of it. It was the cover of this episode of a cowboy Doctor Strange with, like, a six-shooter pistol staring down a big bobcat monster as Nick Fury and Dum Dum Duggan on horses um, attack the beast from behind. But mostly you know, okay, so, so ever since you spoke about this, I've been really excited for this exact moment. Yes, it's Cowboy Strange, dude. He's got the like Doctor Strange thing with a gun belt, and his cloak of levitation's been sort of shortened to like a Clint Eastwood-style serape and stuff. Got boots and a black hat. It's awesome. So, basically... <laughs> uh, Nick Fury and Dum Dum Duggan in their suits, just agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. You know, a- agents of S.H.I.E.L.D.ing. Right. They've been called to Doctor Strange's Sanctum Sanctorum and prepare to bust down the door as it's opened for them by Wong. Wong sort of leads them through the house. They remark on its TARDIS-like status... And he makes them get dressed in, you know, cowboys, or not cow, you know, 19th century clothing, essentially. Um, Duggan gets dressed in sort of a, in a Union Army um, outfit. And Nick Fury gets dressed in what you could either call a John Wayne outfit or a Jonah Hex outfit. (laughs) I would actually call it more uh, closer to Jonah Hex, really. Yeah, so the two of the so these two guys uh, with their six shooters and so forth. Although, uh, Dum 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 maintains his Tommy gun in a violin case. <laughs> Step into a mystic portal and are hurtled into the past. Meanwhile, in the past, in 1883. There's a poker, there's a raucous poker game going on at a saloon. One of the players in the poker game, buddy, it's Doctor Strange. <laughs> like again, just I gotta make Cowboy Strange the cover of this episode. Um, Do it because Do it. it's so like they just took his costume and basically just made three or four uh, stitches and made it a cowboy costume, and it's awesome. Oh. So great. But so he gets accused of cheating at cards and a couple no good rap scallions uh, put, draw iron on him. But before they can do it, he magics up their guns so that they explode in their hands. And Strange is like, you know, I suggest you vamoose pronto and pulls his gun. But before he can make them leave him alone, he gets hit over the head by a by a a glass bottle and gets knocked out and the no good uh, cow pokes are about to kill Doctor Strange as he's unconscious when suddenly oh it's the sound of automatic gunfire that it can only mean Dum Dum Duggan and Nick Fury have shown up in the past take out the trash 
<laughs> there, the uh, the Tufts are like you couldn't have you 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 couldn't take us without that newfangled uh, uh, shooting iron, and Dum Dum is like that's not true, <laughs> and. He tosses his gun to Nick Fury, and Dum Dum Duggan proceeds to basically just Old West fight like four dudes <laughs> over the course in of a, like five pages. In a very classic Dum Dum style, too. It's true. Very like just taking hits, like just accepting that people are breaking chairs over his back and then punching them in the face. And, you know, anytime he punches somebody, they just immediately uh, are knocked out. <laughs> You know, one last guy jumps at, at a dum-dum, but he just sort of uh, bends down to pick up his hat, and the guy jumps over him and gets knocked out, you know? Yeah. So, Doctor Strange is recuperating in his, um, is like recuperating at a room in this tavern, and he sort of gives the backstory. He basically explains that, um, he remembers that they had worked successfully together during that situation with Morgana Blessing when Doctor Strange and Morgana had gone back in time to World War II and they fought those uh, Satan Nazis, or Dormammu Nazis, I guess. Uh-huh. Um, and he's like, oh yeah, so I'll just keep those guys in mind in case I need um, time travel buddies, I guess. <laughs> um, on his way from that mission, he noticed a big rift in the fabric of time in the American Southwest. And he'd sort of been taking some time before he, or, you know, just sort of noted it and was like, all right, I'll come back later and deal with that rift in the time-space continuum. And this is him doing that, essentially. Um, he found out that there was a strange emanation of mystical energy that's now being, that uh, shouldn't be there and is now manifesting by a uh, Native American shaman named Redblade. And basically, all right, here's the deal. If Doctor Strange, Nick Fury, and Dum Dum Duggan don't interfere and stop Red Blade from using his magical abilities to power up um, basically a Native American re uh, revolt against the white man, then it will extend the Indian Wars between you know, Native Americans and, and, uh, and the white man into like the uh, early 20th century, which means that the weapons of World War One will be used to completely wipe out um, the entire, basically, all of the Native Americans in the United States, basically. That seems bad. It seems bad. So what they've got to do is just be a bunch of time-traveling white guys traveling back in time to tell a, uh, a, a, a righteous Native war leader that he's got to put down his arms. Alrighty. It's tough. <laughs> like, this is a tough story, just in terms of, like, who the good guy and who the bad guy is, basically. Yeah. Um, the, uh, the team rides out to talk to, to, uh, put down Red Blade, as they do, Doctor Strange gets, gets an arrow to the shoulder, which is even oh, worse, even worse than an arrow to the knee, Drew. Ah, <laughs> oh, old memes. Oh. Oh, no. <laughs> Um, he's like, he'll be okay, but the bad news is that he can't accompany Dum Dum and Fury to, to, uh, confront Red Blade, basically. He's instead gonna sort of lay down on the mesa and, um, 
channel his mystical abilities for when the time is right. So, <laughs> Duggan and Fury ride out. They've got to stop Red Blade, or Red Blade Ceremony, which they basically do just kind of by riding up to and then kind of shooting up the place. They're under strict orders to not kill anybody because of the time-space continuum. So instead, they mostly just sort of shoot like the ceremonial equipment that Red Blade has to cast his big spells. And as they do so, Red Blade hits Dum Dum Duggan with a mystical bolt, which causes Duggan to age and shrivel into a skeletal old man. Oh no! Yeah, but that seems to be. It seems like Red Blade only had one of those because Fury then rides up to Red Blade and the two of them have like a big fist fight. Or at least a, a, they have a moderate fist fight until finally Doctor Strange manages to fly in um, on the cloak of levitation, arrow through his chest and stuff, and basically say, like, Red Blade, like, I'm calling you out, essentially. And because of this, the two of them have an awesome magical duel. It's like, um, you know, to narrate just a little bit, sort of, the two of them sort of have a test of will of, of uh, like the ele- of, of elemental magic and stuff. Uh, Red Blade shoots arrow shoots arrow like mystic arrows from his hands at at Strange, and Strange avoids them by going into his astral form. But when he goes to an astral form. He's attacked by a herd of stampeding spirit buffalo, which is, which is pretty cool, honestly. Then, after he returns to his body, escaping a spirit buffalo, Red Blade turns into a giant uh, cougar monster that attacks Doctor Strange, at which point Strange pulls his pistol and shoots the uh, cougar monster Red Blade with a single bullet, which causes all of his magical spells to evaporate, Duggan becomes old, becomes his normal size again, and all of the uh, mystical effects of Red Blade have been undone. It turns out that it was like this magical gold bullet that Strange had sort of impregnated with magical abilities and stuff. Ah, okay. So, you know, I was, it was basically, he couldn't just shoot Red Blade because he needed to sort of have Red Blade manifest magical energy in the real world. So it was sort of a, ma- a mystical battle to get him to change into the right thing so that Strange can shoot him with a magic bullet, essentially. Gotcha. Yeah, it's fine. <laughs> um, this story sort of ends in like, man, not something I'm super, I'm super happy with, where... Strange sort of addresses Red Blade's warriors and says, like, Red Blade has lost his power and you guys are an ancient noble race, wise in the ways of nature, and you just kind of... Things are going to be rough with the white man, but you guys just have to sort of endure and take it, I guess? Uh... Which is real, like... Man, I guess that's maybe true, just because they, you know... I guess they can't fight back against the white man. They, they can't fight back against like the U.S. government and maintain the time stream and stuff. But this is a yeah. very this is a very like cowboys and Indians like old school sort of message and lesson to be having at the end of the story. You know? Yep. It's and it's really weird. Even like you know, I know we think of these things old comics as being really old, but even like you know, 
like 1990 is when like Dances with Wolves come out and I think it's really basically where we've reached a point where who the good guy and who the bad guy is and these sort of frontier stories is basically sort of swapped from where it was in like the 60s or something like that you know what I mean right yeah like this sort of feels like an unforced error in terms of like <laughs> how like you know making your good guys actually seem like good guys as opposed to tools of oppression or something like that you know what i mean but i guess all's well that ends well and uh, and strange fury and dugan right off into the sunset having managed to maintain um american imperialism in the american southwest hooray <laughs> Hooray? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the comics for this week, Drew. Oh my gosh, so much going oh, on. No. There was a lot to do, a lot to talk about. This is a long episode, buddy. Yeah, this is a bit of a lengthy one. I'm feeling good about it, honestly. A lot going on. We managed to talk to, you know, just sort of the... All the recap stuff was very interesting, just as someone who recaps Doctor Strange. I don't appreciate Morgana Blessing horning in on my action, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, okay, lady. Like, you know, compile someone else's autobiography. I'm doing a podcast about it, you know? About <laughs> Doctor Strange's biography. <laughs> Anyhow, if you'd like to contact the podcast, I'd love to hear from you. You know, send us an email at strangerbythedozen at gmail.com or interact with the show on Facebook or Instagram by searching for Stranger by the Dozen. Find us on Twitter at StrangerByThe12 and our podcast network site at Cradoline.com. During the week, I'll post a bunch of images from these issues, so keep an eye out. Stranger by the Dozen is on Stitcher, the Google Play Store, and any uh, other pod-catching app. Tune in next week as Clea and Doctor Strange take on the extra-dimensional King Archon. It'll be a good time. Then we'll move on to a full vampire showdown. Brother will fight brother. Zombies will fight vampires. Vampires will fight alligators. And there will be a full-on Minotaur vs. Minotaur super fight. All this plus Brother Voodoo Baron Mordo, and the explanation for the whole Morgana Blessing situation. Uh, there might be vampires, but I promise, next episode won't suck. Hey there, listeners. Uh, Drew here. Uh, as you may not know, I'm the editor for this podcast, and when Conrad recorded that bit of podcast, I wasn't actually uh, recording with him, and I just want to point out that that joke was really bad. I mean, like, really, really bad. All right, uh... Back to the podcast. Until then, faithful listener, I say, truly a warrior's courage will be needed, but the courage of endurance, of resolve, under pressure, much more severe than those of battle. Your will is strong, the ways of your fathers honorable and eternal. Heed them as warriors of the heart, and you will prevail. My name is Conrad, and for my co-host Drew, this is Stranger by the Dozen. May the Vishanti guide your path!